Well, the more I prepare for Easter, the more excited I'm getting about Easter Sunday. If you don't have plans on Easter Sunday, I just encourage you to come to church on that Sunday. I know that seems weird, but yeah, just come to church. Our kids will be ministering that day. I think it's going to be an incredible Sunday that you do not want to miss. So my job in the Easter Easter Sunday task has been to prepare us. And so what's going to happen is we're talking about an Easter experience or experiencing Easter this year. And I'm preaching through some events or some stories in Jesus' life that, that come in this passion time. And the kids are going to reiterate those lessons in a much briefer context because pastor can't do things brief. He's got to do things extensive. They can do it briefly. Uh, and so they're going to reiterate them or, or represent them maybe in a different way that helps us in experiencing what Easter is. Because the heart of the leadership, my heart as the pastor is that we can talk about Easter and we can preach about Easter. We can read the stories about Easter. And sometimes we just get lost in the story. We, we become numb to the events. And it just seems like the same thing we've always heard. And, and, and we kind of become complacent in some ways. And, and my heart, the heart uh, that is in in the scripture, and, and this is in Philippians chapter 3, it says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. My heart, as we prepare for Easter this year, is that we know Christ, and we know the power of his resurrection. We know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. That's the goal. That's the the promise that we have, is that through the resurrection, there is life, there is hope, there is joy, there is confidence for you and I as children of God. Last week, we looked at an experience of Jesus, that experience was when this woman took this jar, a pint of spikenard, and, and poured it on Jesus. His disciples were, were upset. They were offended that they would be wasting this perfume on Jesus. And Jesus says to them, no, she's preparing me for what's to come. The lesson that I believe God spoke to my heart, the lesson that God can speak to our hearts through that encounter is, are we willing to be submitted to the preparation God has for us? Am I willing to let God do what God needs to do so I can do what God needs me to do? Am I willing to do whatever it takes to put myself in the position to to do whatever it means to be able to accomplish the task that God has set before me? We're continuing in this week, and we're fast-forwarding through the meal. And after the meal, we see this dialogue in Matthew, Mark, and and Luke. And John has a different understanding, maybe, of these events. But I want to look at the burdens of Jesus, like what are our burdens? And if I want to know your burdens, you know how I'm going to figure out what your burdens are? I'm going to ask you what you're praying about. <laughs> if you're a believer in God and you believe that God can move things, you're going to be praying about the things that you're burdened about, the things that you're passionate about. And so I feel like this morning, if we can take a glimpse into what Jesus was praying about as he was preparing for the cross, it helps us to understand the burdens or passions of Jesus Christ. The Easter experience is the passion of Christ. We can see one translation of this in Luke chapter 22. It says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. 
On reaching that place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. I would guess that most of us, when I ask you what Jesus was praying about as he was approaching the cross, this is the verse that most of us are going to remember. Jesus being overwhelmed by sorrow, going into the Garden of Gethsemane with Peter, James, and John just an earshot away and crying out to God, what? God, if it's, if it, if it's possible, if you can do anything, please take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer and he went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Now, in Matthew and Mark, when we read this translation, it tells us that Jesus went away for about an hour And he came back the first time and found the disciples sleeping. And then he goes back, how many times? How many times did he find them sleeping? Three times. Three times they were able to, Jesus was able to separate from the disciples. They were able to fall asleep. The only thing we see that Jesus is praying in the garden in this translation is, Father, if you're willing to take this cup from me, then do it. Jesus was in the garden for a long time. I'm going to guess at least three hours of praying. Likely much longer. What else could he have been praying about? Was Jesus spending the whole time in the garden worried about the cup in which he was about to drink from? Was that the extent of his prayers? Was that the extent of his heart? Well, it's interesting because John, when you look at the book of John, he gives us a little bit different perspective. And and John doesn't include Gethsemane at all, but he includes a prayer of Jesus that I think encapsulates Gethsemane as well as what Jesus' burden was. John chapter 17. Bear with me because I'm going to read an entire chapter in Scripture today. This is Jesus' prayer. After Jesus is now I'm not saying I'm not supposing this was in Gethsemane because John chapter one or John chapter eighteen verse one says he goes to the Mount of Olives after he prays this. So so don't say this is what he prayed specifically in Gethsemane, but I'm thinking it's the heart of what Jesus is praying in this season. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. Not my will, but yours be done. For you've granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. My Bible, because, you know, we got these headings in our Bible to help us understand what's going on. My Bible tells me that that in the beginning of John 17, Jesus, in this prayer, he prays for three different groups of people or three different ideas. First, he prays for himself. That's what we just read. 
Then Jesus begins to pray for those who believe. These are the believers. These are the ones who have been following. He prays for his disciples. And then later on in the chapter, he prays for all who believe. So we've covered him praying for those who believe. Now let's listen to what he says. He's praying to the Father. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and I kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth, and you sent me into the world. I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they may too be truly sanctified. My prayer is not only not for them alone. I pray also, this is the cool part, this is where you and I are in this prayer of Jesus Christ. My prayer is not for them. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me. And have loved them even as I have loved you. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. And to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. And that I myself may be in them. This prayer in John 17, it compels me. I tell you what, I think about myself. If I had a glimpse in what was coming, and I knew that I was going to be betrayed, and I knew that I was going to die a violent death, and I have some quiet time with the Lord, I promise you my prayer is going to be take this cup from me. (laughs) Whatever it takes, God, take this away. Let me not have feeling in my bones so I don't feel it when they whip me. 
desensitize my nerves so I don't know what's happening. Captivate my thoughts so I can focus upon just the glory of God. I mean, that's what I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be praying very selfishly, right? I just read 26 verses of Jesus' prayer. Five. We're about him. 21 are about those who believe. It's compelling to me that Jesus' burden as he's approaching the cross, that when Jesus is spending time with the Father, when he's crying out to the Father, his prayer is for you and I. His prayer is for all who will believe. The burden that Jesus took, yeah, the burden of what was coming was very real. I'm not saying that Jesus didn't want that cup to be taken. I'm not saying that wasn't a hard pill to swallow, but I am saying that Jesus Christ spent time praying for you and I as he was approaching the cross. That is incredible. I mean, that's crazy to think about. That his burden was less about what the experience was that was coming, but that his glory would be revealed. And how would it be revealed? I want to look at what Jesus prayed. I want to see the context of what he was praying. He prayed in verse 2, For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you're given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Because Jesus is approaching the cross. He's praying that people would know God. As Jesus is preparing for what God has set him out to do, as he's preparing to die that redemptive death on the cross, his heart, his passion, his burden, his heart cry to the Father is that they would know God, that all would know him. You know, sometimes when when I think about this and I think about Luke saying that Jesus sweat and to the point of like blood drops coming from his head. Maybe, just maybe, it wasn't blood drops because he was so consumed with what was coming, but it was blood drops, the passion, the enthusiasm, the zealousness of his prayer was that you and I would know him, that our loved ones would know him, that our community would know him. He was compelled by the fulfilling of God's desire for his people. His burden, that his disciples, that we would know God. Not only does he pray that we would know him, because he recognizes that we will. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they're still in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus cried out that we would know God. Not only that we would know God, but that God would protect us. This is a pretty cool praying Jesus is doing right now. He recognizes in this world we're going to have trouble. He recognizes that there's one who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. 
He recognizes that the world, they may reject us. But his prayer to the Father is, God, I'm coming to you, but I need you to protect your children. Jesus prayed for your protection. Oh. It said in verse 11, I remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they're not of the world any more than I'm of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. I want you to know me. Jesus prayed that we would know him, that God would protect us. Verse 13. I'm telling someone in this room this morning, God prayed that you would have the full measure of his joy. I'm coming to you now. Think about this. Jesus is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death in the Garden of Gethsemane. In his prayer... I'm coming to you now, but I say things, these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. It's not just the full measure of joy, but it's the full measure of the joy that Jesus Christ has. His prayer for us is that we would be protected. We would not just be protected, but that we would have the full measure of joy. If I ask someone this morning, do you have the full measure of Christ's joy? I'm not going to ask for anyone to raise hands this morning, but I'm going to guess a lot of us would not put our hands in the air. Jesus prayed that you might have the full measure of his joy. Why? Because he said, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Where was Jesus going to find the full measure of joy? It was by being set apart for the purpose that the Father had designed. He found the full measure of joy by being holy. Holy not meaning without sin, but holy meaning being prepared to be used for what God has set me apart to be used for. That's what sanctification is. The process of becoming holy. It's being set apart for the work that God has called you to do. He prayed that the Father would sanctify you by His Word and the truth. So I know God. God protects me. He gives me joy by being set apart for the work that he's designed me to do. And when we're doing what God has designed us to do, we have unity in purpose and in fellowship. Huh? My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Jesus prayed for us that all of them may be one, Father, just as you were in me. Man, Sunday school class, let your brains wrap around this again. 
That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. See, when I know God, when God is protecting me and, and, and I'm living in the full measure of his joy, set apart for the purpose that God has created me, I'm living in unity with the body of Christ because we're all about the Father's will. Each part grows up into the head, which is Christ, right? Each part of the body grows up into the head. When the head tells us all what to do, we're all working together to accomplish the purpose that God has for us. Jesus prayed for you and me. You might have to fix this next slide for me. It's a little high. I can't read that first line. He prayed that we would be effective Witnesses. I got a Bible in my pocket. It'll be just as quick. Maybe. What's our purpose? What has He set us apart to do? We're called to do what? What were the last words He said after He rose? Go and and make disciples. We're called to go and be effective witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 21. That all of them may be one. We just read this. Father, just as you were in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then what happens? What's the product of us functioning as God designed us to function? The world will know that you sent me. Huh? Jesus recognized God's design. God's design is that we would know him, that he would protect us, that we would live in the full measure of his joy, that we would be set apart for the purpose that he designed, living in purpose, living in unity with one another. Then the world will know. They'll recognize there's something in us by the way we're living. We'll be effective witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. By our love, they will They'll know. He prayed that we would be effective. He prayed that we would finish strong. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Jesus wants us to finish strong, to persevere. Paul says, I've run my race, right? He wants us to finish the course that's been set out before us. As we are effective witnesses, we need to continue on. Rowena is not finished with her race yet. Rosemarie is not finished with her race yet. Tamara or Pastor, I'm not finished with my race yet. I have to persevere. I have to complete. I have to run through the finish line. I think God knew. Sometimes finishing is not easy. 
Sometimes perseverance we can justify. My body doesn't feel like it once did. I don't have the audience that I once had. He's raising up a new generation, Lord, praise God. Jesus prayed that you would finish. He prayed that you would finish strong. It's not about who he's bringing up around you. It's about what he has intended you to do, what he set you apart, what he made you holy to accomplish, the protection of his father for you so that you could continue to be unified in purpose and in love. Amen? And he prayed that we would live that we would dwell, that we would remain, that we would, be, we would abide in his love. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known to them in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. God, Jesus, his prayer was that the love of God, that we would remain in that, that we would live in that, that we would find the wellspring in life, that we would find the source of that in him for us, that we would abide, dwell, find life, whatever word you want to use, in the love of God. Because apart from the vine, we die. I love this because he says, I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known to them. It's humbling to me to think that Jesus, as he's preparing for the cross, is considering praying for the body of Christ. It's humbling to me to think that Jesus, as he's preparing for something that is beyond my comprehension, is compelled to cry out to the Father for you and I that we might know him, that we might have joy, that we might have purpose, that we might be holy, that we might be effective, that we might be protected. That we might live in his love and finish strong in what he's called us to do. That's the burden of Jesus. That's the passion of Christ. And you know what's cool? It says he will continue to make you known. I mean, it's one thing to think about Jesus praying this 2,000 years ago. What if I told you that Jesus is praying this today? Hebrews chapter 4 begins to give us a glimpse of this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. He continues talking about this high priest analogy for several chapters. In chapter 7, it says, But Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to him through Come to God through him because he always lives to do what? Jesus is interceding for you. 
He didn't just pray as he was approaching the cross, but he's praying today for you. He's interceding on our behalf that we would still know God. If there's someone here who doesn't know God, the fullness of his love through Jesus Christ, I want you to know that Jesus is interceding. He's crying out to his Father that you might know his love. He's crying out to the Father, not only that you might know His love, but that God would protect you. I don't know what is going on in your life. I don't know what enemies are surrounding you, but I know that Jesus is crying out that the Father would protect you. He's not crying out to God to take you up out of this world so you don't have to experience these trials and tribulations anymore. He's crying out to the Father that you might be protected. He's crying out to God that you might be holy, that you, that you would, that you would be set apart for the work that He's intended for you to have. He's crying out to God that you might have the full measure of joy that is yours through Jesus Christ. He's crying out that we would be unified. That we would be one. That we'd be unified in purpose, in fellowship, in mission. That we would not just be unified, but that we would be effective in what he's called us to do. That by our lives, that by who we are, people would know. He's praying that Crawford would know God by our ability to live within his purpose. Huh? He's praying for us that that we would persevere, that we would finish strong, that we wouldn't give up, that even though we've come up to the wrong result time and time again, that we would continue on until we fulfilled the, 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 the call of God, until we've heard him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He's cried out, you guys can come forward, that we might abide, that we might live, that we might experience the fullness of, of his love. Experiencing Easter. I didn't realize I was part of the story. <laughs> yeah, I knew Jesus knew he was dying for me, but I mean, <laughs> he knew me. But the fact that Jesus prayed for you. The fact that, that Jesus cried out for us. The fact, the promise that it, he's continuing to do so. That was his burden as he came to the cross. As I went through what Jesus prayed in John 17, there may have been something that resonated with you that you're like, yeah, Jesus Can you pray that one a little more for me? There may have been something as we shared this that you're like, yeah, I need to experience a little bit of that holiness, that set apart stuff, because I'm a filthy vessel and nothing clean is coming out of me. There may have been someone who said, man, to know God, not just to know about God, but to know God, to understand God, to comprehend God, to know what his word says and what the truth says about me. 
to say, God, you know my struggles. And you know what I've been going through, but I just need some help. Jesus is praying for your protection. Well, I feel ineffective. I know that purpose and I know that whole unity thing, but man, I just don't feel like I'm very effective in doing what God has called me to do. Jesus is crying out that the world would know through you, through your willingness to hear, to submit, to obey, to be made holy, to do what the head that's Christ is telling you to do, that the world may know. Some might say, yeah, I'm just tired. I don't even know what tomorrow means, but I'm just done. Jesus prayed that you would take one more step. He prayed that you would continue in the race that he set out for you. He's praying for you in this moment that you would have the strength. I love the verse that says that they will soar on wings like eagles, that they will run and not grow weary, that they will walk and not be faint. Jesus is praying for you and I that we would be able to continue on. And for all of us. That the source of life would be his love. Like it wouldn't be about my wife, my kids. It wouldn't be about what I'm doing. It wouldn't be about what I'm accomplishing. It wouldn't be about who's winning the Super Bowl and, and who got robbed at the Super Bowl. It's not a joke. It'd be that the source of my life is the love of God. That I would hunger and thirst. That as much as I need to take a breath, I would need to know His love. That as much as I would need to eat and drink, that I would have to experience the love of God because I'm abiding, I'm I'm dwelling within Him and that is my everything. God, I come to you today. I thank you for this glimpse into Jesus' burden. I thank you that I can stand before a body of your children today and say confidently, this is what Jesus prayed and this is what Jesus is praying for you this day. Thank you that Jesus' burden for me, His burden for us, was greater. Thank you for the thought that as Jesus is approaching the cross, he recognizes that's the only way for these promises to be fulfilled. He recognizes that's the only way for us to know him is through the redemptive sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's the only way for us to have salvation in him for the forgiveness of our sins. It's the key for us to know his purpose. It's the key for us to experience that full measure of joy. It's what unifies. 
it's what brings us together. It's why I can keep going. It's what makes me effective as a witness of the gospel. It's the source for the fullness of your love. God, that Jesus cried that out. I pray, God, that we would live in the promise of Jesus' prayers. God, I pray that if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you, that they would take that step to saying, I want to know you. That step is simple. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's the key to it all. Acknowledging that my sin wants to find me, but now I'm defined by the cross that Jesus was willing to endure so I could be called a child of God. God, I pray for joy. Pray for protection. That we wouldn't settle. That, that, that we would experience what you have for us. Sanctification. Unity. Crawford knowing you. The fullness of your love. Finishing our race. God, I pray that as we linger, as we dwell, as we, as we think about, as we consider the burdens of Jesus Christ, we recognize where our burdens maybe aren't yours. That we can ask you to change, God, what, what compels us, that we would be compelled by the love of God. The love of Christ is what compels us. Driven by your plans and purposes recognizing, God, there's something special you've created me for. I thank you that Jesus is still crying out on my behalf. In Jesus' name. I'm going to have them lead us in this chorus this morning. And as they lead us, I I encourage you to linger and think about those points. Think about what Jesus Christ has prayed for you. But I also encourage you that I'm here as a pastor. And I want to be able to intercede on your behalf as well. For two or three are agreed, right? I'll agree with Jesus Christ on your behalf today. That sounds pretty cool. We'll believe that there'll be hope, that there'll be joy, that there'll be knowledge, that there'll be truth, that there'll be sanctification, there'll be purpose, there'll be effectiveness, there'll be protection. If there's another situation in your life that you say, Pastor, I need someone to agree with me on, I want to be able to pray with you just like we prayed for the school. That's what we're here to do because that's our burden. Amen? We are the burden of the cross. burden of the cross. We're what compelled Christ to finish. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you recognize the burden of the cross. Amen.
Be blessed.